This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Come back, pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. And a pleasant good morning, everyone. On a Sunday here in St. Louis, I'm Mike Claiborne, along with Brian Kelly, who's still sticking around. I want to say hello to you, sir. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was wonderful, Mike. How about you? And life was good, man. I, I had no complaints. I just, you know, you just show up looking to have a good time, and if it works out, all is good. Yep. Uh, we had plenty of sports to oh, talk man. about over the last few days. Uh, man, uh, that Cowboy game on on Thursday, 38 million people watched that thing. Did they really? Yeah, it was one of the largest, um, largest view mm. events they've had in a while. I, I feel left out now. But yesterday was crazy. It was. I mean, I, this this rivalry weekend has taken on a new look for some reason. I guess because the teams that are the the intense rivals all had something to play for, you know. Mm-hmm. Except yeah. if you're Georgia Tech and you had to play Georgia, you know, right. you just take the beating and go back home. But right. you think about Ohio State and Michigan, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, Auburn, Alabama, all entertaining games to say the least. Missouri, Arkansas. Not quite, not quite, <laughs> not there. Biggest trophy, but not much of a, uh, not much of a. Game. Not, not quite. No, it was, it was wild yesterday. That that Ohio State game, Michigan came out in the second half and really uh, kind of put them in their place. Well, the young man from St. Louis, uh, uh, Hassan Hawkins, just ran. I never seen a team get punished. Uh, a, a big time college program like Ohio State just got punished mm-hmm. defensively. I mean, their offensive yeah. Michigan's offensive line just just steamrolled them, and uh, Mr. Hawkins rushed for 169 yards, five touchdowns, five of them. Uh, so congratulations to him and his family. I'm sure they're feeling good about life today. Last night, Blues, uh, yeah. first period they just were sleepwalking, and then all of a sudden here comes the second and third period. I thought the second period is as good of a period, I think, as I've seen in a long time for the Blues. Yeah, when they play that way, they're just so fun to watch. Yeah. Just absolutely dominate. And you see the talent of guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, Buchnevich playing really well. I yeah. mean, when they're playing like that, they are really fun to watch and hard to beat. And now they get the, uh, the Florida double. Hopefully some of our listeners are going down to Florida next weekend. It's a perfect weekend for it. You got Tampa and Miami back-to-back. See, and here's the deal. Normally, when that series, when they play that time of the year, mm-hmm. I'm always in Florida. Yeah, yeah. They always do it like in February or March. Mm-hmm. Some guy had a bright idea, thought it would be a better better way to do it 
this time of the year, which really rubs me the wrong way because I look forward to those two games down there. Yeah, we've been down there a few times to, to catch those two games, and it's a great way to spend a February or mm-hmm. March weekend. It'd be great in December, too, if you can get away. Yeah. But, yeah, so they're going to have a couple of good tests coming up to see if what we saw last night they can build on. And uh, let's. I mean, we'll just see which team shows up, the team that lost in Chicago or the team that won last night. All right. Um, so do we have a goaltending controversy? Well, I mean, I, I know you. it's a small sample size. Yeah. But I thought the biggest deal with Huso, he's not giving up that early goal like he did last mm-hmm. year. And, again, small sample size, but I thought he was solid last night. He's playing very well right now. And, uh, you know, Mike, it takes a villi. And <laughs> – and maybe that's what it's going to take for the Blues to to get uh, you know get back. We on haven't top. had many Villies, but I guess this one's going to have to do. All right, some uh, not so good news, and we just learned that Clem Costin is going on long term injury reserve. Mm-hmm. Logan Brown, young man from St. Louis, Jeff Brown's son, has been called up. Uh, he was part of the Zach Sanford trade earlier uh, this season. Uh, big kid. Uh, obviously having a good start down in the minors, so we'll get a chance to see him form a first-round draft choice by Ottawa. Yeah, I read where he went down to Springfield and really uh, took it seriously and really wanted to get back, really working hard. He has six goals, 17 points in 19 games. Can't argue with that, so it's great for the hometown kid to come up and see what he can do. And, you know, sometimes it takes players time to mature, and, yeah. and that may be the case with Logan Brown, and to become real professionals, and that's what we've seen with Robert Thomas. We've seen it with Jordan Cairo. Now let's see if Logan Brown can can take that next step and become, you know, the kind of player that, that he was drafted to become. All right, before we get out of here, Brendan Lemieux, he bit Brady Kachuk last night. Mm-hmm. Now they got in a fight. And all of a sudden, Brady Kachuk snaps because he was bitten by Brendan Lemieux. And when I realized it was Brendan Lemieux, I wasn't surprised considering who his dad was. Yeah, Claude Lemieux, yeah. one of the dirtiest players to ever play. Now, mm-hmm. granted, he's got a bunch of Stanley Cups to, to show for it. But I was not surprised because he was that same guy when he was with the Rangers. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Rangers had to move him, because he was a dangerous player. And now he has an in-person Hearing on Zoom, which is kind of a <laughs> strange thing. That's that's a pandemic phrase there. So what that means is you have to, you know, instead of them putting your face up, you have to actually they have to be able <laughs> exactly. to look at you. That's yes. the only reason why it's in person. You have to have the camera on. Exactly. Yeah, you just can't have a still of your your daughter there, so they won't give you ten <laughs> games because oh she's so cute. No, you got to sit there and look at her. I got to feed her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he'll he'll be sitting out for a little while. I hope the he chop is worth it. He should. That's I mean. That, it, there's certain things you just don't do. Yeah, yeah. You don't spit on a guy. You don't bite a guy. Mm-hmm. Those are two no-nos right off the bat. So yeah, we'll stupid. see what happens with him. Yes. All right. We've got a fun show set up for you today, folks. We're going to talk some hockey with Andy Strickland here in just a bit. A lot going on in that sport. Also, St. Louis University. How about the Billikens? We'll, we'll talk about the men's soccer. Normally we talk about the, the basketball program, but mm-hmm. the men's soccer team goes to Duke. And apparently Duke thought it was a uh, – the fans thought it was just a practice. I guess Because nobody so. was there. Yeah, that's a shame. They win 4-3. They now move on. And we don't know the time and date yet on uh, when they'll play Washington. I just talked to somebody from St. Louis U just a bit ago, and they still haven't released a time and a date yet. Mm-hmm. But they're playing the number two team in the country. That should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. And how often do you hear about a soccer team that blows a two-goal lead in the second half – and still comes back to win the yes. game. I mean, every time they were challenged, they responded, and uh, it was a fun, fun game to watch. Well, I'm excited for them, and we'll yes. see where it takes them. So we'll talk a little sports with Earl Austin Jr. Talk about St. Louis U, the program. 
lot of high school football yesterday going on in town. So we'll visit with him. Baseball, we'll talk with Bob Nightingale, the USA Today. The lockout is just around the corner. Some teams have been active as far as offseason acquisitions and trades and signings. So we'll talk, get his thoughts on that. In the 11 o'clock hour, we'll talk some uh, college football with Howard Richards, uh, color analyst for the University of Missouri, Mizzou Hall of Famer. Uh, we'll talk with him not only about Mizzou, who's 6-6, six and six, 500 team, bowl eligible. I'm not sure if they're going to get into a bowl, but we'll talk with him about that. And what a crazy day we had yesterday in college sports as far as football was concerned. And now the coaching carousel begins because you're hearing different rumors. I heard one yesterday about Lincoln Riley. He shot it down about LSU. There was a rumor that LSU was willing to put $10 million bucks a year on the table for him. Wow. I, I, I got news for you. If he doesn't take it, I will. <laughs> if he thinks what's that your, much of what's Oklahoma, your record this year? I'm undefeated. Oh, I'm undefeated perfect. this year. So, I, you know, if he won't take it, I will. <laughs> and we'll also talk with John Mozeliak and get his thoughts on their new acquisition, that be it Stephen Matz. Uh, we'll get a chance to talk with Mo a little later in the day. And then we're trying to figure out some of these college uh, bowl game situations, not to mention what Tuesday looks like when they come out with the uh, the playoff pairings and seeing how that's going to shake out. That is going to be interesting. What do you do with Alabama? They survive a tough game against a – it's a rivalry game. Yeah. But a game they – you know, you would go in, think they would win big. Yeah. They still got to play Georgia. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. whole lot of fun this week. All right, we'll take our first break. When we come back, Andy Strickland will join us, and we'll talk some hockey with him right here on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 1018, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the Quiver, Quiver River Electric Cooperative guest line and standing by as Bally Sports is on, along with the host of the one, I think, one of the best hockey podcasts going called Strick and Cam. Andy Strickland is with us this morning. Andy, how are you, sir? Claims, I want you to say Quiver River, say it three times fast, <laughs> and then we can start the interview. You know what? It's always been a tongue twister for sure, but uh, it is the Quiver River Electric Cooperative guest line. How about that? That's good. All right. You're a professional. There you go. Hey, a lot to talk about. First of all, let's talk a little bit about last night's game. Blues a little disorganized in that first period. And then all of a sudden, the second period rolled around, man, and it was Blues hockey like we've been accustomed to watching when they are on their A game. uh, Listen, Clay, there may be a hole, maybe a couple of holes inside that dressing room after – Chief had his way with the players after the first period. I mean, a couple of players were saying, wow, Chief kind of let him have it after the first. And it's interesting because um, there's a television crew or a production crew that's in town right now. I think they're doing some pre-stuff, you know, for the upcoming Winter Classic. You know, they do that uh, 24-7 show. And there was a production team inside the Blues dressing room for whatever Chief said after the first period. So, Whenever this comes out, everyone's going to want to gather around whatever device you have to make sure you watch and see what exactly Craig Berube said because, you know, he's, he's, he's known to find different ways to motivate his players, and whatever he said has certainly worked because the team came out and they looked like a different team in the second period, and they just kind of got back to, to doing what they need to do to have success, which is, you know, creating offense and chances closer to the net. You know, you can't be a perimeter team and expect to trade chances – 
you know, especially when you're shorthanded, when you look at the manpower the Blues had going into the last couple of games, they've got some injuries. You know, a couple of players now placed on IR that has some call-ups. They've been dressing 7-D. So the bench has been shortened. you got a guy like Braden Shen still trying to find his way after missing nine games. So, um, you know, you look at the Blues in the first, you know, month or so of the season plays and, and how good they played and just the shift, the shift, and line-to-line chemistry that they had. And COVID has disrupted that. You know, you lose guys like Brandon Saad and Ryan O'Reilly. And ever since they came back in the lineup, Saad's had some good performances. O'Reilly's had a couple. But, again, that chemistry that he had with Perron, they never really were able to reestablish that. Now Perron's out of the lineup. So, again, it's been a tough sled here for the last couple of weeks here for the Blues. But the time, you know, they're finding ways to, to get points and to grind it out. And it's going to be interesting to see how this continues. Well, the, the latest chapter, Clem Costin is now in long-term injury, and Logan Brown has been called up. And this is a young man that you've known for quite some time. Tell us what to expect uh, when Logan Brown puts on the blue note. Well, listen, he's skilled. He's got great vision. Um, but, you know, you know, Clay, you can't just live and die on the power play in the NHL. you got to find a way to, you know, compete shift to shift uh, in terms of truly gaining the trust of the coaching staff. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for Logan Brown. I mean, when you're the 11th overall pick um, and you've played as few games as he has, you know, you just kind of hope now that maybe he's got a better understanding of what he's got to do to, to not only get to the NHL, but then stay here once he does get here. I mean, we all know this guy's got great skill. I mean, his passing ability is high end. I mean, it truly is. And you'll see that when he gets, you know, opportunities on the power play. Um, to do his thing. But again, it's five on five. It's that compete level that he's got to show. You've got to win battles. You've got to be willing to play on the inside. And, you know, sometimes you can be a victim of your own size. You know, um, yeah. you see guys who are five foot nine, five foot ten, who play like the six foot six. And there, there's a lot of positives that come with that and a lot of accolades, you know, for a smaller player that plays big. But when you're six foot six and you don't play, with that nasty edge or that mentality that you would expect from a bigger player, um, sometimes people can use that against you. And I think that's the case of, you know, Logan Brown. He's a big body. It takes him a little longer to get there. He doesn't have that nasty scowl on his face. He's not trying to rip your head off. So he's a little more of a gentle giant, but he can certainly use his size to his advantage. And like I said, he's got high-end playmaking ability and hopefully gets an opportunity to show that. Well, you know, it's interesting. As you mentioned Logan Brown, I always think of Colton Pareko in that same vein where he has a size and he has a skill. But everybody, when you're over six foot five, everybody thinks you're supposed to be Chris Pronger. And there's yeah. only one Chris Pronger when it comes to the armoriness and the way he played the game. And I think, as you're right, I think sometimes people miscast people and, and don't really give them the chance to be the player that they can be compared to what they're expected to be. Yeah. And in the case of Pareko, I mean, listen, he doesn't fight. He's not going to cross Chuck you over the head, but you know, he will get involved occasionally after the whistle. He boxes out in front and he wins board battles, Claves. I mean, listen, he, he may, may not provide the, the level of, uh, of anger and, you know, theatrics that maybe people, you know, want to see when you look at, you know, Pronger being here and having a lot of history here. And, you know, obviously it's an easy comparison to make when you consider the size the two bring to the table. But he's not Chris Pronger. And very few guys in the history of the game have been Chris Pronger. You know, you either have that or you don't, in my opinion. I don't think you can just coach that. Yeah. Um, 
so, you know, a guy like Pareko, but I, I will say this in his defense, you know, it, it's not like he's soft. You know, there's a difference between being soft and being a guy who may not fight or may not bring as much physicality to the table as a lot of us want to see. But he does win battles along the wall. He wins battles in front of the net. And at the end of the day, as a defenseman, especially if you're a high-end defender, which is what he is, I think a lot of the criticism for Pareko has been, you know, the lack of offense he brings to the table, too. I think people expected him to be more of a two-way guy. I think you just have to appreciate what he does inside his own end. He can certainly skate. He can get up ice. And the production, from an offensive standpoint, may never get to the level that people want to see from Pareko. But his ability to defend, specifically against high-end players, is, is really impressive. He can do that. And you can't be soft when you're defending high-end players game in and game out. Andy Strickland of Bally Sports and also host of the very popular podcast, Cam and Strick, is our guest here on KMOX. All right, a couple of things before we get out of here. Brendan Lemieux, yeah. chip off the old block, apparently, uh, with what he did with Brady Kachuk. And I hope they throw not only the book at him, but the whole library. There's, there's no place for what he did. Well, there isn't. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, what else falls in that category? Like, licking a player. Uh, we've seen that from Brad Marchand. Yeah. Uh, you know, spitting in the face of a player, but biting a player, you know, when you're at the bottom of a scrum or bottom of a pile, you're 100% right. And, you know, you can talk about Claude Lemieux all you want. And, of course, he had that dangerous hit that everybody remembers against Detroit and Chris Draper, where he basically just rearranged Draper's face. Um, <laughs> he did. Lemieux was such a cl- he was such a clutch player in the postseason. And he would get under the skin of opposing players, but he never did anything like that. He didn't bite guys. For Brendan Lemieux to bite Brady Kachuk, and listen, I was texting with Brady this morning. I thought how he handled his post-game press conference was perfect. I love the way he handled it. He said what he had to say. You know, the Canadian media up there, they're going to try to want to you know, bring it up every single day. And he said, listen, I'm going to address this one time. And I love what he said. And um, he gave it to, to Brendan Lemieux. Lemieux's going to meet with the league later on today. I guarantee you they'll come down hard on him. But it's a pretty gutless act. There's no doubt about that. To bite a player in the NHL, there's a reason why we don't see that too often. And it's kind of sad that we did. Before we get out of here, COVID is really starting to take its toll uh, on the league. And the New York Islanders are certainly at the, at the front of the pack. What happened to the rules or the, the, the mandate the NHL talked about at the beginning of the year where if you were going to lose people to COVID and maybe have to be shorthanded, you forfeit a game and somebody wouldn't get paid? Uh, what happened to that? Because it looks like now they're going to move things back to Tuesday. And with that said, how much in danger are the NHL players now with respect to the Olympics that are less than 90 days away? I think it's a great question, Mike, and I, I think we're 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 certainly like we're fastly approaching that the potential of real danger of players not going to the Olympics. I mean, there's a couple of things here. Obviously, the COVID, which is is running through the National Hockey League, and it really has been all season long. Um, but now, if you test positive over in China, Claves, I mean, the the rule is you got to stay there for three weeks. I, I think that scares players mm-hmm. in and of itself. Okay, I mean, not everybody's making it to the gold medal game. You know what I'm saying? So uh, teams, hey, when they lose, they want to get out of China. They want to get back to North America. And if you test positive, and we know how loose some of these testing, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the testing kits can be, you know, I mean, they're very sensitive. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you take a test, one day you're positive, one day you're negative, and it can be very, very confusing. And for anybody to get a positive test over in China, I think that's scary. Now, in the case of the Islanders, and, and the, the way the league is handling this, because we saw this with St. Louis earlier in the year, um, they weren't going to provide any cap flexibility. 
And, you know, you've seen teams have to play shorthanded because of it, because of, hey, you know, listen, you just, you, you can't, you, you, have, you have no idea. You go to the rink every single day, Claves, you don't know if players are going to start testing positive that day, and you just kind of keep your fingers crossed. You know, the Islanders have, have truly had the short end of the stick all season long. They had this new building opening up. They had to start the season with something like 13 consecutive road games, something crazy. Then they finally come back home. They open up this new beautiful building in Long Island, and they've got COVID just running crazy. they got like eight, nine guys out of the lineup. And they, they couldn't get the league to postpone these games. Now after losing eight games in a row, now the league is postponing games. We saw that with Ottawa as well a couple of days ago where they – had a couple of games postponed. So th- this is interesting. I know the league is trying to just kind of go week by week with this. That was their attitude entering the season. And now they're being forced to make some adjustments because it looks like this COVID thing isn't going away. And now the Olympics are certainly in jeopardy as well. We hope we see the Olympics, but obviously, you know, safety is going to be at the forefront here. And you just wonder how the NHL Players Association, not just the NHL, but the PA, how they're going to react as we get closer. It's interesting because, the league and the players associate, they can opt out of the Olympics claims, but it's not until sometime in the middle of January, just a couple of weeks before the players leave to head over mm. to China. So we got a ways to go before we find Stay any tuned. official ruling in terms of what they want to do. Stay tuned for that. Hey, uh, Strick, um, when is the when is the podcast drop? When can people uh, go to it and where Every- can they find it? Every Tuesday, Clays, and I appreciate you you bringing that up. We got some listen. We have some some great guests on there. We love talking hockey with, you know, current players, former players, Hall of Famers, current and past superstars, owners, general managers, coaches. We we try to spread it around. David Quinn actually is going to be our next guest who who coached with the New York Rangers the last couple of years. He got fired unceremoniously, if you remember. Oh, you know, yeah. The owner just came out and just mm-hmm. fired everybody. And then Kenny Howland, the general manager of the uh, of the Edmonton Oilers, longtime GM of the Detroit Red Wings, and won four Stanley Cups. He'll be on our next episode as well. So we've got we've got some great guests coming up, and we love bringing it to the people. We have fun, Cam Jansen and I, and I appreciate anybody out there who's given it a chance to listen. Andy Strickland, ladies and gentlemen, one of the best dressed guys in TV. He covers the Blues, and he's one of the great sideline reporters as well. Andy, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll talk in the very near future, sir. All right, you got it, Clay. Hey, congratulations on your Hall of Fame. And, oh, thank uh, you. You have me on, and happy holidays to you as well. We'll talk soon. We'll we'll get together before the holidays conclude. Promise. You got it. All right, you got it. He's Andy Thanks. Strickland. Thanks. I'm Mike Claiborne. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with the awesome one, Earl Austin Jr. A lot of things going on at St. Louis University, and also the high school scene is hot and heavy right now. So we'll talk about that much more when we return on KMOX. The high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, everybody. This report... Well, this Billiken Report is brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri. And with us this morning is the awesome one, Earl Austin Jr. Good morning, sir. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well, man. And if you're a Billiken fan, you pick the sport. It's a good day to be one. We'll start off with soccer. Huge game yesterday at Duke. They win 4-3. They had spotted Duke a couple of goals and decided to play some catch-up soccer, and they came back to win. How big is this win? And, and obviously they still have games in front of them, but in your opinion, how big is this win, not just for St. Louis, but certainly for the program? Oh, it's tremendous. First of all, you go on the road, beat an excellent team in Duke, 
and it gets you to the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. So you're one step away from the Final Four. And uh, and you haven't lost a game yet. Yeah. You know, they had four ties. And like I said, this was a shootout. They were up 3-1. Duke came back to tie it. And then they score in the 78th minute to, to win this game. It's uh, uh, fantastic all the way around. And then not only uh, what happened this, this week, but then what happened last week, in the second round, third round game against LIU, which was played at Herman Stadium, over 6,800, a new uh, a stadium record. And uh, we were gone at that time, but we saw some of the shots and there's just the, the crowd and the atmosphere. That, just was, that was a breathtaking shot to, well, to see that kind of crowd at the Jewel of Midtown. They may have had about 68 people at the Duke game last night from what I, from what I was able to see. So obviously there's more, more Billiken fans than Duke fans. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they mixed themselves in with the blue as well. So, you know, it, it was one of those evenings where thank goodness that the Billiken fans showed up, man, because I, as I said earlier, I think the folks at Duke thought it was a practice or something. So nobody showed up. <laughs> exactly. Hey, let's move down the road a little bit. Billiken's uh, had a good test in Mexico and they passed with flying mm-hmm. colors. It, it's early. Uh, but what do you like about this team at this point, and where do you think they have to be better at? Uh, what I like is that uh, something that we, we've struggled with at times, and this is something that Rammer always talks about, we, we, we shoot free throws well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really is big because there were times when our, our half-court offense may bog down getting baskets, but then we take advantage, we get to the free throw line, you can kind of curtail that. And I think that's something we did really well against Stephen F. Austin. We had a nice lead, 46-34 at halftime. At one time, we were 2-17 for 17 from, the second, from the field in the second half. Mm. Couldn't buy a basket. Mm. But we were, we were still able to maintain our lead because we made our free throws. I think offensively what I like is that it's without Javante Perkins in the lineup, that's 20 points a game, potentially 10 play a year. you got a lot of different guys who have stepped up and contributed at different times. Gibson Jemerson leads the team in scoring, but TJ Hargrove has had a nice stretch of games. we got a good two-headed monster in the middle with Francis Socorro and Martin Linson. Martin had 19-9, uh, made the all-tournament team. Gibson was the MVP. So you just got a lot. You and Yuri kind of steers the drink. He leaves the nation in assist. So uh, I think everybody's kind of stepping up. Uh, the freshman, uh, uh, Jay Nez, uh, Jordan Nesbitt, did a great job in uh, Mexico. He had two big games, especially against Illinois State. He had 14 in the second half. So I think uh, for us to continue to get better, we just have to, I think, be continue to be more efficient in the half-court offense. We play solid defense. We rebound the ball pretty well. Uh, we just got to continue to – uh, get better in the half court. Have when we move the ball, I think we have some success as well. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I like about the team is the schedule. I, I think the non-conference schedule this year is very competitive. And while you know they're not necessarily household names that you're playing, they're respected programs. Uh, you know, when you when basketball people look at the schedule, and they say, well, you know, Boise State's pretty competitive. You play two good teams in the tournament in Mexico. And you've got some other good ones on the schedule that you have to deal with. I think that's going to really put this program in a good position to make a very interesting run when the Atlantic 10 conference schedule rolls around. Absolutely. Like I say, the tournament, obviously Memphis was a top-level team. The tournament was the far beginning of a big stretch of non-conference uh, games. Like you say, we go to Boise earlier and play on Tuesday night. That's a tough Mountain West program. We come back to play against a very, very good UAB team who's uh, 
uh, has got four high-level transfers. Uh, they're going to be a tough out, even though it's a home game. That's going to be a tough game. Belmont, uh, excellent. I've been watching them uh, this week in Orlando. They're doing a good job. Uh, they're they're one of the top teams, good level program. And then uh, Boston College out of the ACC. And then you got Auburn. Obviously, Bruce Pearl's put together another tremendous team, uh, top level quality, top ten type talent. And then you go to Vegas to play against a Drake team, which was picked to win the Missouri Valley Conference. They had a nice run last year. So this stretch of a half dozen games coming up leading into the conference season is really going to test our medal this this, uh, month. All right, let's talk some high school sports. Uh, We had some high school state championships on the line yesterday. And the one I was watching, and, man, it was was tough. East St. Louis loses to, uh, what, the number one team in the state. But, man, they had it right in front of them to, to win that ball game, but they just couldn't come up with one play. No, I couldn't up one play. Kerry Grove's a team that's been there quite a bit in classic. Those two teams have been on a collision course since the beginning of the season. And Kerry Grove runs a triple option that could not be stopped. They didn't punt at all postseason until I think they punted once yesterday. They didn't throw one pass. They'll do one pass all game yesterday. That was on fourth and 17, which they completed for 21 yards. That shows you how devastating that run game is. And East St. Louis, obviously, with Luther Burden went out uh, like a champion, four touchdowns, had some big plays, had that 80-yard touchdown, the kickoff return, which brought them back to a one-point game. And uh, But they had the ball last, but Kerry Grove was able to get that last stop. And uh, it was just two championship-level uh, teams, and Kerry Grove came off one point better. On the Missouri side, we had some pretty good action. CBC did an outstanding job. They defeated uh, Liberty North 48-21. And it was their defense that really uh, came to the forefront. Uh, they turned the most big force five turnovers, I believe, in the first half. Uh, Justice Johnson had a 55-yard pick six among those. And that just what, what really uh, took Liberty North out of the game. CBC is known for its great offense, balanced, which you saw that yesterday. But their defense, Tyler Gant, defensive man, Justice Johnson, he just, they just got a, a Litany Jacob Tatum, uh, uh, the son of uh, Coach uh, Justin Tatum, brother of Jason Tatum. He had a fumble recovery, big tackle. So uh, it was just an all-around effort. And CBC has kind of been the gold standard of big school programs in Missouri over the last uh, five, you know decade. They won back-to-back in 18 and 19. I took a backseat as the Smet came to the forefront, but then they retook their spot not only at the top of the Metro Catholic, but then at the top of Classics with a dominating victory yesterday. Hey, uh, before we get out of here, two quick things. Um, we're seeing a lot of kids from the St. Louis area going to other universities, and, and it's their choice, and I have no problem with that. Uh, and they're making contributions. We saw Mr. Hawkins yesterday, um, Haskins rather, in uh, at Michigan, yes. and we're seeing a lot of other kids do things that really make them stand out. Why is this taking place? Is it better coaching locally? Are the athletes better prepared? What What do you see? Because this transition has been starting to grow more and more with each year. Now, I'm not a football expert on the local, but in terms of just training and all that, but you see kids, they go, you know, these coaches and these programs are taking kids out of town. They're going to seven on sevens. They're going to all these kill camps and they're, they're, they're getting exposed. Like, like what you saw in basketball, you, they're, they're going to all these different, and it, 
uh, different uh, uh, events around the country. And you got at, at the lower level at the youth football leagues, uh, these uh, these coaches are serious. And these kids, you see the talent early on. I know a lot of them, and they do a great job of really not only, you know, they got good talent, but helping to develop this young talent. So they're stepping into high school programs right away and becoming impact players. And then in turn, you see them on national TV at, at Power Five schools, uh, uh, just just doing their thing. It is like you said, it's not Haskins was great yesterday. You just, you just see it just goes on and on. You see St. Louis guys stepping up and uh, doing big things at the at the NCAA level. And um, I have already applied for my playoff tickets for the Wizards as uh, they find themselves <laughs> one game out of first place in the Eastern Conference. So uh, that's fun to watch. And the reason why I bring this up, folks. Uh, Wes Unso Jr. is is one of Earl's cousins. He's coaching the team, and we have our own Bradley Beal, who's having a very good start to his season playing. And uh, right now, the Wizards are having a pretty good time right now, and I think they can continue this run for a while. Oh, God, it's been unbelievable, Clay. They hit their little snag, and they lost four or five, and then they rebounded by going back-to-back road wins on a back-to-back. And then last night, they went at Dallas with Luka Doncic. I saw that. Points. Yeah. Man, it's, it's obviously, we're so proud of Lil West. He's been grinding for 20 years as a scout and assistant coach to get this opportunity and to get it at the place where his uncle was one of the best ever to do it. And and now and then to have a St. Louis and Bradley Dale as the, as the the key player in the face of the franchise, it's kind of the best of both worlds. So, you know, at the quarter pole to be 13 and seven, you know, it's been a long, long time since the Bullets Wizards have been this good at this point of the season. So to, to see this, hopefully it continues, but it, it's been fun so far. Color analyst Earl Austin Jr. for St. Louis University and sports editor of the St. Louis American is our guest. Awesome. Thank you for the time, sir. We'll see you soon. Clay, it's always a pleasure. Take care. He's Earl Austin Jr. Bob Nightingale is coming up next from the USA Today. We'll talk some baseball with him when we return on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. To the Quiver River Electric Cooperative guest line we go, and standing by as the USA Today's own Bob Nightingale. Robert, how are you? Yeah, doing great, Mike. Thanks. It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk, and there's a lot going on, man. Is it me, or are the transactions starting to really step up a little bit with the lockout looming uh, later this week? Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot more active than than normal. I mean, a couple GMs, they haven't been busy this time of year in in a long, long time. So, you know, you got the non-tender deadline, too, you know, moving up till uh, till Tuesday night. So I think the combination of People trying to make moves and trying to figure out who they're actually going to give contracts to. And Corey Kluber, the most recent move, he's he signs he's going to sign with Tampa pending a physical. Uh, surprise to you. And, and what is Tampa? You know, we we talk so much about teams not spending money, and Tampa doesn't spend a lot of money, but they always find themselves in postseason play. Uh, it, it's abnormal compared to the other teams who don't spend money and they get what they pay for, basically. But does does Tampa kind of muddy the water as far as where the players want to take things as far as owners not spending money? And then they say, well, we, here's Tampa. Look what they're doing. No, absolutely. I mean, Tampa's a, uh, you know, makes makes a lot of teams look bad. I mean, when you look at the uh, Yankees not going to luxury tax in Boston, 
And they say, well, you know, look at Tampa. They didn't have a $100 million payroll. They're winning year after year. <clears throat> so, yeah, they, they uh, you know, kind of thorn, they're a thorn in everybody's side in the, in the AL East because they, they prove you don't have to spend that kind of money if you're smart about things. And here they are finally you know, starting, to, starting to spend some money. I mean, when you give a, uh, you know, Wander Franco, you know, $182 million and in San Kluber, you know, now, now you're starting to spend. Of course, you know, they, they want, you know, public support for a new ballpark in, in Tampa and, and one in Montreal, too, for that matter, see if they can split it up. I don't see how, that, how that's going to work, but they definitely need to get one in Tampa for anything to happen. Stephen Matz signs with the Cardinals. Good fit. And um, what else do you think the Cardinals need in this offseason? Yeah, I think it's a real good uh, uh, fit, good sign. And, they, uh, you know, you need so much pitching these days. <clears throat> if you're the Cardinals, you know, you're still you know, out there looking for another starter. You know, I don't know if you're going to go out, you know, the Robbie Ray type thing and spend over $150 million. But, you know, th- this day and age, you know, you, you need to start the season with about eight or nine starters because you're going to use them all before the year's out. And, uh, you know, everybody can use, you know, bullpen help. You know, Andrew Miller, you know, he won't be back and things like that. So I would think they want to get some veterans back in that bullpen as well. Bob Nightingale, the USA Today, is with us. And, Bob, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the lockout is looming. Um, what what does it mean? Because, you know, we hear it, and I know there are some listeners who say, well, what are they arguing over? What What is this all about? Uh, so I'll ask you, what do you see being the biggest issue? And secondly, why haven't we gotten this thing done uh, by now, considering everybody knows what what's on the table, nothing's changed. We've gotten through COVID. We all know uh, what the issues are at hand. So why does he have to come to this? Well, I think on the uh, player side, they say you know we got to get more of some uh, competitive balance here. Uh, we don't we don't you know we don't want half the teams not trying to win year after year. I mean, you look at the uh, NL Central. You know, is anyone really trying to win besides the you know the Cardinals and the Brewers? You know, you got three teams kind of uh, re- you know rebuilding the division. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they also you know, I know MLB wants to say okay, let's let's start taking care of some the middle class here. Uh, you know, there's what I think two point one billion dollars was spent on salaries last year, and thirty guys are making half of that amount. So you know, these fourteen hundred guys you know divvying up the rest. So you know, that's been a problem. Uh, the owners want to get rid of our salary arbitration. Uh, you know, the union says that that's not going to happen. So they they do want to raise the uh, the minimum salaries. You know, get that up. You know, more towards a uh, a million dollar minimum, at least nine hundred thousand minimum, and uh, and then stop stop messing around with the service time. If a guy's a free agent six years, make sure it's six years and not not seven. You know, the other thing that's interesting about this. <clears throat> It's been a while since we've had uh, a labor issue that, that would come to the wire like this. And I guess Rob Manfred might be the only guy that was in the room the last time a deal was struck. Because everybody yeah, else has kind of moved on. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, whole new things from, you know, Tony Clark and Bruce Meyer and, you know, no players gone through this. Uh, the only thing that, you know, the closest thing the players have gone through is a year ago when they're trying to decide when to start up the season right. during the pan- pandemic. Uh, so yeah, they're not close at all on uh, on either side. So the, you know, the owners don't have to lock them out, but the owners say, "Well, we want to lock out just to kind of force our hand and make sure things start uh, proceeding." But you know, if there's a lockout, it looks like it. You know, uh, 
midnight Wednesday, you know, no transactions, nothing's going to happen for probably at least a month because I would think both sides can retreat and just can do a, a, a slow process at that standpoint where you're looking more. The next deadline would probably be around February 1st, you know, a couple weeks before spring training. Uh, yeah, the owners have to sell season tickets. Yeah. And people people love spring training. They don't want to see any of those games canceled. Hey, you know, I, I look at the game now, and we talk about teams that compete. We I think we have two factions here. We have one faction of teams that want to compete to get to 500, perhaps get in the wild card or get in the postseason. And then you have teams that say, look, we're in it to win it. How many teams do you think are trying to compete compared to how many teams you think are trying to win? I don't think there's that many teams that are trying to win. I would say less than a third for sure. You know, that is not just good enough in the playoffs. They want to go, you know, all the way through the end of October. Uh, you know, and I think that's what the union is fighting this expanded playoffs. You know, baseball wants to go to uh, 14 teams, make the playoffs instead of 10. And the union says, wait a minute now. You know, so instead of 90 wins, you probably have to have, you know, 85, 86. And that waters it down. So our teams are going to try to spend money to win rather than just get in the playoffs and take your chances. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they come together and figure this out. I hope that they're cooler heads and smarter people, as you mentioned, season tickets, different things you want to try and do in the offseason because the game needs a little bit of a, a, a kick right now considering what COVID had, had, had done to it. So hopefully we can have some people who are rational enough to realize that there's a lot more at stake than they may think as far as fan interest is concerned. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed, Bob, and hopefully they'll get something done this month compared to next month. Yeah, or exactly. December as compared as as to as January. As Right, yeah. I mean, as long as there's no spring train delay or games canceled, I don't think the fans care as long as they know something's going to happen. Uh, but you're right. I don't think either side can afford it. I mean, the, the owners lost, they said, $3 billion a year, uh, two years ago, and uh, players lost two-thirds of their salary. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of money in the game. It's just, you know, divvying it up right. Bob Nightingale, as always, we thank you for your time, sir, and uh, we'll be in touch during the holiday season for sure. My best to you and yours, and uh, we'll be in touch down the road, sir. All right. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Bill. Thank Take you, care. sir. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, our guest, and we always like talking to him. All right. Next hour, we got a little bit of an audible. We're going to talk with Howard Richards for a bit, talk a little bit about some college football. We were scheduled to visit with John Mozalock, but something has come up with him. I don't know what it is. I could roll some suggestions out there, but I'm not going to do that here. Uh, but Mo had to, had to uh, call it off for today, and we certainly understand. And, and, again, considering all the things that are going on with free agency and we've seen a couple of trades take place as well, maybe there's some things that required his attention, and I certainly understand and respect it. And hopefully the next time we talk, we'll be talking about something that's making this ball club better for 2022. So we'll have a lot of time to talk about a few things in the world of sports in the next hour. But Howard Richards is going to be part of it, and maybe you'll be part of it as well. So we hope to get back with you in just a bit. The news is coming up. Brian Kelly has all the breaking things that are taking place around the world and certainly in St. Louis, and we'll have that for you when we take this time out. This is Sports on a Sunday Morning on Your Voice for the Cardinals and St. Louis University Billikens, KMOX. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 